Welcome to the inaugural episode of the FCA podcast, an original podcast series produced by the Florida Chiropractic Association. I'm Jennifer Durr, CEO of FCA, and I'm here with this episode's co-host, Jack Hebert, FCA's Director of Governmental Affairs. And with us today is FCA Senior Lobby Team Member, Allison Carvajal, along with FCA General Counsel, Kim Driggers. Thank you for joining us as we seek to better connect with FCA members and chiropractors in Florida. We hope you will listen however we may fit into your day. Your time is important, and we want to make this 30 minutes worthwhile. Let's dig right in. Today, we will share the FCA's three-pronged service approach that guides association activities, legislation, education, and community. As the premier chiropractic association in Florida, we're in Tallahassee with a lobby team of eight, monitoring issues of concern for the profession. Often, FCA is the only chiropractic representation at important hearings, sometimes very lengthy as we've already experienced this session. We are your legislative watchdogs fighting for you. Another area of high priority is education. It's important to uphold the high standards that keep chiropractic physicians relevant and recognized in mainstream healthcare. We know when you're seeking education, the topics need to be pertinent to the chiropractic office of today. Your patients deserve a clinician who is current and seeks to hone skills that may not have been perfected in chiropractic college. At FCA, we aim to offer the best educational programs we possibly can, taught by the experts in the profession. Our chiropractic community in Florida is diverse. We're proud of the broad scope that allows you to practice the way you choose. On this podcast, we'll have various guests covering a range of topics to enlighten you about areas you may not have thought about before. We hope you will stick around to see where this new journey leads. Since Florida's 2023 legislative session opening day, March 7th, our governmental relations team has been nonstop action. Actually, the committee weeks leading up to this year's session were the busiest in recent history. We'll talk more about that later. Today, we're joined by three of our governmental relations staff. Now, I would like to introduce our first esteemed guest and today's co-host, FCA Governmental Affairs Director, Jack Hebert. Jack became a full-fledged FCA lobby team member nearly three decades ago, but he's been a chiropractic ally for far longer. Jack, tell us about your tenure with FCA and what brought you here. Thank you, Jennifer. Great to be with you today and uh, have some of my colleagues here in Tallahassee. My career dates back to 1978 when Dennis Jones was first elected to the Florida House. Of course, Dennis was the second D.C. ever to be elected to the legislature, served for over 20 years, and I was introduced to chiropractic through him and then worked on his staff in the earliest days when he was in the House and did a four-year tenure with him before I went on to find my fortunes. And from there, it was just a pathway of working on the legislative team and until 2012, when unfortunately John Colbreth left us, I took over the role of uh, Director of Government Affairs for the FCA and have been have been the quarterback since then and uh, have enjoyed every minute of it, I think. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we've seen some changes over the years to the legislative team. Obviously, it started out pretty small. It was just Dr. Ed Williams and John and Paul, the faithful three that did all their work on the Hill. And over time, we've added to that. Um, I know you mentioned five members. We actually rely on about eight now, on and off. Some more involved than others or whatever, but in terms of our whole team up here. And it's pretty important to have representation up here. I mean, when you're a highly regulated profession like chiropractic or any of the healthcare professions for that matter, it's uh, very important to keep an eye on regulators and that can change uh, your scope of practice overnight, just like we've evidenced today with some uh, activities of the governor we'll probably talk about later. 
But it's, uh, it's important to have a voice up here and to keep legislators informed about who we are and what we do. Florida has a, a citizen legislature. These are people that have other careers outside of the, they're not full-time legislators. They can be everything from a uh, citrus rancher to a school teacher to an attorney to a bottled water manufacturer and everything in between. Of course, we have an important role in educating them on what chiropractic is. Some have no experience whatsoever. Others know all about chiropractic and are chiropractic patients, and we have everything else in between. We've been helped over the years with actually having DCs in the legislature. And I hate to say right now we don't have a chiropractor in the legislature, and I miss that. For much of my career, we had one or two or at one time even three that served in the legislature. And going back to the fact that it's a citizen legislature, that's pretty important because legislators rely on each other for their areas of expertise. And it's pretty easy to reach across the chamber to a chiropractor if the question of the day is a chiropractor is about chiropractic. And without that, the members obviously depend on us. But having one of your own in the fraternity, so to speak, is quite valuable, and, and we miss that today. And, and we hope one of our DCs out there listening or more decides that uh, they'll change that dynamic and run for office and get elected. We've had a, a long line dating back to uh, Jimmy Glisson. Some of us uh, older people will remember Dr. Glisson was the first DC, at, at least in, I think, ever, if not in modern history, in the legislature. He uh, served with distinction in the Senate. He went on to run on a ticket for governor, unfortunately lost that election, but was replaced quickly in 1978 by Dennis Jones, who served in the House and then in the Senate for over 20 years. Dennis was joined in the mid-2000s, 2006, I believe. Frank Farkas, a D.C. out of Clearwater, who went on to chair health care committees in the House, was a great influence. Uh, Frank served for... Allison, help me. Frank served for eight years. Eight years. Eight because, years. because term limits. Because of term limits. Uh, term limits came around in 1992 and changed that dynamic a little bit. Uh, Dennis had served prior to that, so he could be there for a little bit longer. And then we had Steve Perman, uh, D.C., from the Boca Raton area, did one term in 2010 or whatever. It was interesting. Dennis was, of course, a Republican. Frank was a Republican, but Steve was a Democrat. And it was kind of nice to have that contrast for some amount of time. And then, and then we went dark. So we don't have anybody now, and we're hoping that one day we will be able to have somebody back here. I'm not going to spend a lot of time about the legislative process. I think if most of our listeners at least saw Schoolhouse Rock, uh, and they know how a bill becomes a law and can sing the tune, that gives you a pretty fair idea. For those younger listeners, you probably don't are not familiar with that, but I'd encourage you, you can probably find it out there on YouTube. And it's a cute way to teach six-year-olds and 60-year-olds how a bill becomes a law. Our role in, in that process, obviously, is to educate legislators on our issues. To be a trusted resource uh, is very important. If you talk to anybody on our lobby team, one of the things I believe in and, and stress with all our team is we want to be the trusted voice. The only thing that we have to offer really is our reputation and the trust of the members of the elected legislature. And uh, we respect that and expect that uh, we operate on the highest level always. So I think at this time, I'd like to join in the conversation Allison Carbajal and Kim Driggers, who are with me today in Tallahassee. 
Allison's uh, been with us for 30 years. So Allison was actually uh, working on the team before I came on board because I was working on staff at the time. And she knows where a lot of the bodies are buried, good and bad. I like to tell people Allison's the person who knows everybody. And uh, she truly does. I mean, you can pick the most obscure person or whatever in Tallahassee, whether in the legislature or whether they're at a repair shop down the street. Allison not only knows who they are, who their kids are, where they go to school, and how many other people they know, all kinds of great information. And we always run to Allison when we can't figure out where somebody is or, or who's connected with whom, and she's been valuable in, the, in that regard. So, uh, Allison, tell us a little bit about your experience uh, working for the FCA over the years and, and why you've stuck along so long. Well, I got my start with the FCA when I was uh, working with Guy Spearman. And at that time, Guy represented the FCA. And what I learned from Guy a long time ago was that you really had to endear yourself to people so that you could be successful. So when I left Guy, I went to work with the Republican Party of Florida, and that's when Farkas was running for his house seat. And the first time Frank ran, he lost. And the second time he was successful, I was on my own then, lobbying by myself and representing the FCA along the way. And Frank was probably the reason I've been here so long. He made it to be a healthcare chair. Those kind of things are super helpful to us because members trust other members. So, you know, if somebody had a question, they didn't like my answer, they could ask Frank. We really miss having a, a member, a chiropractic physician in the legislature. So, as Jack said, if you're listening and it's something you'd like to do, call Jack. <laughs> <laughs> this is my 34th legislative session, my 29th or 30th with the FCA, and a small firm in Tallahassee, Ramba Consulting Group, of which David Ramba, Cameron Yarborough, and Evan Power, we all represent you guys in Tallahassee. We all have very different backgrounds. And also here today is Kim Driggers. Kim's the baby, <laughs> the baby of the group with only 10 years. 15. 15. Half, she, half the size. She corrects me all the time, so... Kim has an interesting background. I'll let her tell you a little bit about that. But the fun thing about Kim is, a, who is an attorney, a very, a very bright attorney, and we're very proud to have her on the staff. Since we lost uh, many of you, many of you listening will know and remember fondly Paul Lambert, who was our general counsel for forty plus years, who passed just recently this year. It was a sad moment for all of us. Continues to be. We miss Paul. Paul was uh, an encyclopedia. Uh, not only chiropractic, but everything Florida. And this session, particularly, this is our first session without him in many years, and, and we've missed him. But Kim's been in, in training and following in that steed and doing a great job. We're very proud of her. So with that, I'll introduce Kim, and she can tell you a little bit about what she does to guide us. Obviously, when you're making laws, it's important to have a lawyer on your side, and, and she does a great job with that. So Kim, take it away. Thank you, Jack. So yes, I did have a great mentor in Paul Lambert, as Jack said, or I corrected him. I've been uh, with the team for 15 years and quietly behind the scenes for a few, especially on the legislative end, since I was a litigator before this and moving to Tallahassee, didn't know anything about the legislative process, but the lobby team and Paula really helped train me well. So my experience in litigation is insurance defense. Started off representing insurance companies, went in-house for a little while with State Farm Insurance, did some PIP defense and PIP defense fraud work, and then switched to the other side for probably about 15 to 20 years on the plaintiff side, representing providers and patients in termination of their benefits, denials of their benefits, 
and also doing other first birdie work. So anyways, I've had experience on both sides, which I think is helpful when lobbying these issues on insurance and motor vehicles. And that's pretty much it. I mean, I, I've been really exposed to chiropractic my entire litigation career. So uh, it's been near and dear to my heart as well. Excellent. Thanks, Kim. I think that gives you a little bit of a history of where we've come from and where we are today. I think listeners today probably want to uh, want us to fast forward and talk a little bit about what's going on right now. And there's surely a lot of important issues uh, happening. Florida, Florida's legislature is not only a citizen's legislature, it's a part-time legislature that only meets for 60 days a year. Members of the legislature would argue with you that it's a part-time job. We unfortunately or fortunately pay them as if it is a part-time job. It's not a path to getting rich and is very much public service, but they're only in session for 60 days. But as uh, Jennifer uh, at the intro mentioned, other uh, committee meetings leading up to that. And there's some members that actually turn this into a full-time job and can easily do that. But for many, it's pretty much just a part-time job. It does require, you know, 60 days of their full attention from gavel to gavel and 60 days, nine weeks, we're in week three. And I think we all would agree we feel like we're in week nine right now. This has been the longest three weeks. Um, the, the longest three weeks of any session we can remember with some pretty contentious issues, not only debated, but some across the finish line. And that probably brings us to the big issue of the day. Tort reform is a major issue. The legislature is moving this session and in fact already moved and already moved it across the finish line just this morning. So I think we need to talk a little bit about that because it does, it has some overarching aspects that come into uh, personal injury protection insurance uh, and our doctor's treatment of PIP no-fault patients and the PIP no-fault system, which is also potentially in play again this session like it has been in the past. Kim, why don't you tell us a little bit where we are and what happened the last few days and uh, then what our dear governor did this morning, if you would, please. Sure thing. And so, you know, on legislative issues that the FCA handles year after year, since I've been involved, at least, has been PIP, no-fault insurance. And the repeal of it, actually, first, when I started, it was amending the PIP statute. I think it's been amended 25 times or more. And so it was always our lobby team trying to get the best in the statute against the insurance companies to not make the doctor's lives so miserable. I mean, before there were the demand letters and the disclosure and acknowledgement form, the anti-fraud provisions, so many different things that were added over the years. This year, this legislative session so far, the PIP repeal bill has again been filed. However, it's kind of taken a back seat to the tort reform bill, the package laid out prior to session and moved and signed by the governor. So with regard to what that does for Floridians, I mean, I could take probably 30 minutes alone and talk about it. And she'll try. No, I'm not going to because I'll get in trouble and cut off, which I should be. But with regard to how it impacts chiropractic, there are a couple of main issues. The most important issue is the repeal of what I'm just going to refer to as PIP attorney's fees. It has a statute name, but I won't refer to that. So what is the effect on you? It just means, and for those listening a year from now or six months from now, it will be curious to see what happens. If you don't have PIP attorney's fees to be able to file a lawsuit against the insurance company, what do you think is going to happen? The question is, are they going to continue to do the right things and pay according to the fee schedule and not take reductions? 
Are they going to increase the IME termination so that at $2,500, medical bills, PIP benefits are terminated? If there is no accountability to the insurance companies, I would fathom to guess that the PIP benefits are going to shrink and that it's going to be impossible for the doctors to be able to file suit to recover. Secondly, our letters of protection, um, they are really exposed under this bill. So uh, they're going to be discoverable. We've already created a letter of protection on one of our mini forms that we offer to our members. And that will be tweaked now based upon this new bill. But any letter of protections that you use will be offered up to the other side, even so at the beginning of the case. Your referral relationship with the lawyer that may have sent you a patient will be exposed and the financial arrangements between the two will be exposed. Um, There was a section on medical caps on damages. They wanted to limit any outstanding bills to health insurance rates or Medicare rates or 120% of Medicare. Luckily, that bill through our work um, was amended. And so all evidence of medical bills can come in as to the usual customary amount of them. Uh, We were concerned that if it was capped, it would reduce settlements to health insurance rates. But luckily, that has been amended and all evidence will come in. So hopefully, all evidence in a settlement on your outstanding medical bills will be open. And that's it in a nutshell. It does a lot and the press will be all over what this does. But for our doctors, that's how it impacts them. I know there's been some question about effective date, and we know the governor, the Senate approved this yesterday afternoon. The governor, less than 24 hours later, signed it this morning in a private ceremony, which is not as usual. Uh, Usually makes a big big deal about a signing, but was quick to sign it. Do you think that has something to do with all the lawsuits that have come in the last few days, or tell us what that scenario is? Uh, Yes, there's a word that the Florida Defense Lawyers Association uh, wrote a letter to the Florida Supreme Court calling a state of emergency and asking them to continue the dates that they had to file the responses on all of the complaints, the approximately 70,000 plus another 25,000 allegedly coming between Saturday and today, so in like four or five days. And those lawsuits were filed in large part to be under the prior law. The effective date of this bill is to be effective upon the filing of any actions after the signing of this act. So his signing, in effect, made it immediate. However, there's argument as to truly when this effective date is. Is it today because he signed it today? Or is it as for policies that are effective today and beyond? Those issues will be litigated. But yes, there were a lot of suits filed. And honestly, it's because of the numerous changes in this legislation that affects Floridians' rights that the plaintiff lawyers felt the need to file under the existing law. Okay. A lot to unpack there, but there are a couple other things I think we should bring our listeners' attention to or whatever, and I want to have Allison explain a little bit about one. Allison doesn't exclusively do chiropractic, but she's she's active in the healthcare area and also does work for the nurse practitioners, and so she's really up to snuff up this issue, and it's the question of uh, physician titles. We've had this issue going on a couple years. There's the belief among some members that it's confusing when you go to see your doctor. You're not sure if you're saying the ARPN or the RN or the doctor himself or a physician assistant, and they believe that we need to be clear and transparent. 
with patients as to who's actually providing you care. So uh, there's a, there's some bills traveling again this year. Allison's been working with us on that. Allison, tell us a little bit about, at least from, from 30,000 feet, what they're trying to do and where you think we are. Well, a specialty physician group was trying to protect their title, and it was anesthesiologists. And they were trying to protect their title from a CRNA, a nurse anesthetist, from being able to call him or herself a nurse anesthesiologist. And that's where this bill came from. Once the bill gets filed, every single physician groups decide, I want my title protected too. So the oncologist, the dermatologist, the whatever other ologist, we call the bill the ology bill. The bill started off not letting anyone call themselves doctor unless it expressly gave them that authority in their practice act. Fortunately for us, John Colbreth and Dr. Ed managed to have chiropractic physician in our statute. But then were we going to be able to use our diplomate status? So fortunately for us, the Senate agreed we should be able to use whatever we have, whatever diplomat we have. So we are all set and fixed in the Senate. The House bill is completely different, but the House is supposed to match the Senate. Currently, the House bill is sitting and has not been heard in committee yet. So we're just kind of waiting to see what the House decides to do with the ology bill. To Allison's credit, with the two members, uh, sponsors of the bill, uh, Senator Gail Harrell from the Treasure Coast in the Senate and Representative Mazzullo, who is actually an MD also in his real life, is uh, heading up the effort in the House. And they have both been very open and cooperative to working with us on these issues. So we appreciate that. And that's, that's a direct result of uh, Allison's relationship, ongoing relationships with those people. And we appreciate it. Kim, I think I'd like to turn it back over to you now and talk about some of the good things we're trying to do. We're not just always fighting against things and give us a little bit of an update. Kim stumbled on this, I would say kind of stumbled on it or whatever, and and some of the ongoing work that she's been doing and uh, saw a problem that we needed to address. And Kim, tell us what this is all about and what's going on. So we got our uh, proactive bill filed, Senator Aaron Grawl and uh, Representative Jeff Holcomb filed the bills on our behalf as a result of a problem that we kept getting calls on from members saying they had insurance companies calling them wanting to quote unquote sit down and chat. As a result of this, it just continued to appear that many doctors were being impacted by these, what I will describe as shakedowns of the doctors starting from the very largest multidisciplinary clinic offices with multi-offices down to the mid-sized level chiropractic office that treated auto accident patients. In my mind, I can envision, having done some work for these auto insurance companies, a database that keeps track of how many MRIs the doctor is prescribing, how many PIP lawsuits and PIP demands are they filing, how much in PIP benefits are we the insurance company paying them? And I can just see that each of those are weighted and go into a box, a calculation, and then certain of the members are targeted. And it's really just all I can explain it as a shakedown for cash money, for not billing PIP any longer, for dropping all your PIP suits, and very little ability for our members or for chiropractors in the state of Florida to fight because the companies are going back five years and threaten a federal lawsuit and keeping them in court for three to five years if a cash settlement isn't had. So 
We fought to do something about that, meaning with the Office of Insurance Regulation. We drafted some language that was a little more expansive, had a little more teeth to it, but through our discussions with them and what they felt comfortable with, we narrowed it. So now it just would require the insurance companies who receive this money to report it to the Office of Insurance Regulation because it is our understanding that that money is not being reported, nor is it being returned to the patient's PIP benefits. Um, and it also in, it requires the Office of Insurance Regulation to consider those recovered in their rate base. So when our premiums are determined by the insurance companies, the Office of Insurance Regulation has to look as to how much money that auto insurance company received back in PIP benefits. They paid out the money. How much did they claw back? And we don't believe that reporting is going on. And thirdly, it clarifies part of the law, 817.234, on whether or not copayments in deductibles are required every single time you see a patient. So that's it in a nutshell. It's called the Transparency in Recoveries Act for a reason, to be transparent for the money that they are recovering. We're about the end of our time for today. Does anybody have closing thoughts or anything you want to say? We're obviously going to have to do this again after the circus ends in May. So we'll definitely come back together at that point. We'll be more than uh, more than happy to do that. I think we could fill up hours worth of this and put everybody to sleep, and we're not trying to do that. We appreciate it, uh, everybody tuning in. I know we hear from a lot of our members and all of us asking what they can do. And uh, the best thing you can do is to listen and to be ready to act when we need you to do something um, and contact your legislator, whatever these relationships that you can build back in your communities are helpful and important to the process we have. And like I also uh, like to remind our members all the time, you know, if you, and it, it kind of borrows from a TSA slogan, uh, but we call it, if you know someone, say something. Too often, uh, our members, we find, have relationships with people back home, with legislators uh, and, and or other elected officials. And those relationships are important. And your team up here, we need to know those kind of things. It could be very helpful to the work that we do and help amplify what, what we try to do in Tallahassee. So we encourage you to continue to listen for updates, to read your reports. We're also pushing out videos this year to give you brief updates if you don't have time to do a deep dive. We appreciate your membership, and we uh, continue to ask you to stay involved in what I would argue is the most important thing that the FCA does, and that's government relations. Thank you, Kim and Allison. You're welcome. And hope you'll listen in next time. Back to work. Awesome. Back to work. We certainly packed in some great history and facts about FCA's lobbying efforts on your behalf. If you have further questions about anything covered in today's episode, please email admin at fcacairo.org. FCA members have access to full-time help desk, legal, and governmental relations staff. Thanks again for joining us today, Jack, Allison, and Kim. And thanks to everyone for listening to the inaugural episode of the FCA podcast. Join us each month as we continue our conversation with key voices in the Florida chiropractic community, discussing topics directly impacting everyday practice, the profession, and the importance of staying connected with FCA. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. For more information on the Florida Chiropractic Association, visit us online at fcachiro.org. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.